So what we have been doing is what that line in Jogan Zenji's vows exhorts us to do, quietly explore the farthest reaches of these causes and conditions. Quietly explore the farthest reaches of these causes and conditions. And then he underlines it with, as this practice is the exact transmission of a verified Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha. But quiet exploration of all the causes and conditions is what we're giving ourselves permission to do. Thank you for quietly exploring that cause and condition. <laughs> this case that our Shuso has wisely selected, which we're going to read again in a minute, is about this couple of people who've been doing that quiet exploration for a long time together, talking with each other about it. And they took full responsibility for this exploration which we do too, because responsibility is all there is. We are responsible for everything, and everything is responsible for us. That's what the, the ocean of karma means. Everything, everything responds to us, and we are responsible for everything. Kind of a strong concept, isn't it? But ourselves can take it. So let's... Read the case. Introduction. Driving away the plowman's ox, pulling his nose around, taking away the hungry man's food, holding his throat tight. Is there anyone who can administer the poison? The case. Goyshan asked Yamshan, if someone suddenly said, all sentient beings just have accurate consciousness, boundless and unclear, with no fundamental to rely on. How would he prove it in experience? Yamshan said, If a monk comes, I call him. Hey, you. If the monk turns his head, I say, What is it? If he hesitates, I say, not only is their active consciousness boundless and unclear, they have no fundamental to rely on. Guishan said, good. They have no fundamental to rely on. That seems clear, doesn't it? Except it's not something that comes naturally to us to think there's no fundamental to rely on, but that's a very strong statement. And it means not only is there no fundamental out there to rely on, but when we look inside and look for a self, there's no fundamental to rely on, which is a liberating statement when we really think about it. So when these two Zen practitioners of old were walking along, Guishan, already a great teacher, Yangshan, who would become a great teacher, they both worked a long time, uh, in other settings, and then together with each other, they're talking to each other. They're playing to try to shape the ground of this fundamental. They're playing. So in order to um, really clarify what a self is, it has to be done together. It has to be done walking along and playing, which is what they were doing. 
don't you think it's interesting the way he does it? He says, someone said, he didn't say, I said, he said, what if someone said? So we're not taking that as a statement of fact. We're saying, here's a proposition for you to consider. What if somebody said, all sentient beings just have act karmic consciousness, boundless and unclear, with no fundamental to rely on. How would you prove it in experience? So it's a pretty good concept. He's not saying rely on this statement I've just met, made. He's saying, if somebody said it, how would you prove it? Let's play with this. And then Gongshan has involved somebody else in the dialogue, calls in somebody else. I would say, hey, you. And then if they turn their head, there it is. And then you say, what is it? And they get confused. And there's the boundless unclarity. How do you take that? How do you take that? Are they saying that um, this is that karmic consciousness, all sentient beings just have active boundless consciousness? karmic consciousness, boundless and unclear, with no fundamental to rely on. And yet, if what we have, what we are, is Buddha nature, is that what he's saying? Are they saying that Buddha nature is the same as this unclear, thunder-driven, karmic uh, clutter? Is that what they're saying? How do you, how do you take this? Yes? No? Unclear. So why is this such a good working koan? I think that one of the reasons why it's such a helpful koan is that, um, well, one of the reasons why it's a really good koan is that it, it invites us to look at what we think the self is. And we have to do this over and over and over again. So uh, we can... Um, look at what we think a self is. Shakyamuni forever is inviting us to turn the light around and see if we are looking for a permanent self. Even if it's just karmic consciousness, cluttered and unclear. Okay, that's myself. My karmic consciousness is cluttered and unclear. Okay, I can accept that as myself. How about if that's also not true? You're also not cluttered karmic consciousness. Because that's what Buddha says. Buddha says we are the same. Buddhas of old are exactly the same as we. Enlightened people of today are exactly as those of old. Of old. This is a really important question for us. And when um, when a, a self when a not not even a self when a sensation arises, this is our. Uh, basic, important, profound Buddhist teachings, the insight of how we come into our, our five skandhas, whenever a sensation arises, like the eye consciousness or the ear consciousness, the ear consciousness and the um, sense consciousness, smell, um, whenever any sensation arises, mind consciousness, you know, recognition of a thought, also these little bits of selfness arise. There's self-view, self-confusion, self-esteem, and self-love, always. That's what the ancient, incredibly deep meditators um, 
saw, and that's what they taught. And then I said, yeah, when I meditate really deeply, it's really true. Sensation comes up, there's always self-view, self-confusion, self-esteem, self-love, really fast. And it's fleeting. So there's a little self, the little self is arising all the time. That's what, that's what the liberation of Shakyamuni Buddha teaches us. It arises all the time, and the liberative technique is to see through it, always to see through it, always to see, there it is. There's the self-view, the self-confusion, the self-esteem, self-love, and it's moving like waves on an ocean. Our selfness is moving like waves on an ocean. And so trying to permanentize that is like trying to freeze the ocean. And yet we do. We do it all the time. We try to make that true. And that um, self-esteem is rising right now and self-love. And with the fact, I love the sound of the rain, self-view, self-confusion, self-love, self-esteem is coming up. And I'm a person who loves the rain. Boom. I've tried to freeze that. And so these other, all these other things out of the vast field of karmic consciousness come up. And I accept some. I deny some. And I ignore a whole bunch. Because those aren't part of who I am. It's like those stories about when people first see something, they can't even identify it because it hasn't become part of their reality yet. They don't know what they're seeing. Lots of stories about that. They just don't even know what it is. Or if we were to hear that sound right now, it could be all sorts of things. It could be somebody standing out there with a hose squirting at our window. It really could be. Like we're in a, um, uh, on a film set. While they're out, oh, yes, Maite, you know. What is the difference between self-esteem and self-love? There are subtle differences. Self-esteem is one way of translating. Oh, I didn't write down the um, Sanskrit. It's it's not a word I use all the time, really. Um, so sometimes it's translated as pride, as opposed to self-esteem, self self-pride. So it, it's something. Hmm? Maybe so. So it's a kind of you know kind of raising oneself up kind of feeling. Self-love is just love, acceptance kind of love. So self-pride is the bit that arises that is self. It could be self-confusion, but they make these really subtle distinctions between those feelings about the self. And view is very important, obviously. Um, it's view. Yeah. With everything. I'm a person who likes the rain. That's a view of self. And I wanted to say something to Constance before I go back, because I, I just want to say, Constance, even though you're not here, you're always here. And when I was sitting in Seiza this morning during service, I kept my heels together. You'll be happy to know that, because I usually let my heels go apart. And I thought of you every second of that moment. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> now, so Guishan and um, Yangshan have been having this dialogue, and um, Wan Song, who wrote the commentary to this, said um, about this, if you can turn back the light in an instant of thought, 
it's the same as original realization. If you can turn back the light in an instant of thought, it's the same as original realization, meaning clarity. And then Wansang goes on to say, since it is so, why is the immutable knowledge of all Buddhas called boundless, unclear, karmic consciousness and sentient beings? There's a question. Why? <laughs> and he closes the koan with that. So part of what's being asked of this in this koan that our Shuso is asking us is to stay close to this question. Stay close to the question of why is the immutable knowledge of the Buddhas called the same as boundless, unclear karmic consciousness and sentient beings? Why? How far apart is it? And so staying close to it is, is the same thing as not settling down on a permanent self. Settle down on the permanent self is I am a boundless, unclear karmic consciousness driven confused human being, or I inhabit the immutable knowledge of all beings. Those are both views of self. They ask us to stay close. So what they're saying is, do you, do any of us have a tendency to settle down in one or the other? And I say, it's just as much of a problem to settle down in, I'm a boundlessly unclear, karmic conscious driven human being. That's just as much of a problem as to settle down in, I have the immutable knowledge of all things. Don't you find that interesting? And for us to continuously watch the arising of the self, of view, confusion, esteem, and love, all the time, gives us a chance to watch what friends come along, what friends come to support our view of ourselves, and who I am, and what I am willing to do, what I'm able to do, like in my beautiful talk yesterday, we have such huge responsibility for the world and my little self coming up, what is it that, where do I get caught? It was a beautiful talk. And so Guishan, as we saw, he's testing Yangshan or playing with Yangshan really about that question of uh, boundless, unclear uh, karmic consciousness. And it seems like he sort of leaves it hanging because he does, leaves it hanging as something for us to stay with. But there's another teaching of Guishan's about this issue in Guishan's admonitions, which is this wonderful little book. Guishan said, when you truly awaken, entering into the fundamental and realize and realizing the nature of self and other, then cultivation and non-cultivation are just dualistic ideas. Oh, there was something else I wanted to say before that. Oh, yeah. A monk asked Master Guishan, does a person who has experienced a sudden awakening need to cultivate a practice? Monk asked Master Guishan, does a person who has experienced sudden awakening still need to practice, still need to cultivate practice. Rishan said, when you truly awaken, entering into the fundamental and realizing the nature of self and other, because that's awakening to really understand self and really understand the environment 
other, then cultivation and non-cultivation are just dualistic ideas, he said. But then he went on, he said, right now, even if the conditions for the initial inspiration arrive, even if within a single thought you awaken to your own true reality, okay, even if right now you awaken to your original true reality, there are still habitual tendencies that have accumulated over endless ages that cannot be dispersed in a single instant. <laughs> you should certainly be taught to gradually let go of unwholesome tendencies and mental habits. That is cultivation. There is no other cultivation that needs to be taught. There is no other cultivation that needs to be taught. You see? He's saying, basically, I think that this uh, awakening in a moment is where we cultivate. It's after awakening that we cultivate. Everything before that is just trying to create the conditions. You wake up, then you cultivate. This is Dogen's Zenji also. Then you cultivate, then it's housekeeping. Then it's that you know the waves of selfness arrive, arising and you see the little friends that come with it. You know, what are the friends that come with it? What is the most common friend that comes with it? I'm not good enough. I tell you, it's the most common friend that comes with arising of a self with sense and including mental sensations, self view, self confusion, self esteem, self love. Nobody in this room has that feeling. I'm just talking about other people. <laughs> Everybody here rests in a in a in the palm of Buddha's hand all the time. Very comfy, isn't it? Buddha has big hands. So we have another two days tomorrow. I think a, a kind of a troop of people arrive to join us, and so um, it's always interesting this point in session, we're very used to each other's bodies and movements and sight, sound, smells, taste and touch. And tomorrow there will be, I think, seven new bodies coming. Mm -hmm. So I encourage you to be kind. There'll be a lot of eye contact because um, they're going to go around like... <laughs> Isn't that right? It's like when people come into the monastery, all the poor monks are going like this, and they go, oh, people going. <laughs> they can't, it feels like that. They're actually just going. So it feels like a lot of um, subtle contact will be offered to us tomorrow. And that's wonderful because they're all people that we love, totally love. So you can watch as you see your friend or somebody you don't know. Sorry. Self view, self-confusion, self-love, and self-esteem. And then it's friends. Watch what happens. And then do a little housekeeping and go back to the Zendo. Is there any other question for today? Because we won't have quick of my time. The other day, uh, we read something about um, <clears throat> uh, that's fine for someone at the level of faith, but not yet a person. That's fine for the stage of faith, but not for the, yet for the stage of person. Yes. So is this sweeping 
housekeeping that you're talking about. Is that a person who does that? Yes, that's the person who does that. Yes. So somebody like Guishan and Yangshan, people at the stage of person, they're still doing housekeeping. There's a really good story of Guishan doing some housekeeping. Oh, let me see if I can recall it. Oh, I guess I'll have to tell you this later because he's brought up short by a monk in the crowd. Guishan makes some sort of proclamation and the, and the monk comes right back with, well, how about you, teacher? And Guishan just smiled. So housekeeping goes on forever. Mm -hmm. But stage of faith is where a person is immersed in, in the practice of the path and um, committed and willing to practice faith. Stage of person is when um, there's a balance of insight and flexibility in the karmic in the world of karmic consciousness. Stage of person is a person who is where you function everywhere, but there's still housekeeping. Does that make sense? Yes. Anything else for now? The person of faith can be shaken. Right? Faith can be shaken. So therefore, the other day's lesson says that he's a person of faith, he's the person. So the person is the awakening where the housekeeping is. The person of faith is the one, there is a high probability that he would be shaken and fall down again. Mm -hmm. Maybe so. I think in that case though, the person who was that uh, Yangshan said that's right for the stage of faith, the person was very, very sincere and he'd arrived and engaged in this dialogue. But um, at that stage of the dialogue, he was a little bit stuck in the ultimate. He was stuck in this place where everything's wonderful. I don't see any problems anywhere. And that's what he presented to Yangshan. And he said, that's fine for the stage of faith. You don't see any problems, but not yet right for the stage of person. Where you have to go back into the world and uh, deal with the problems. 